they mentioned. We are going through this series where we're looking at different lines and lyrics from the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And you may have noticed the line in verse 5. Let's have verse 5 up. O come, thou key of David, come. Now I'm going to pause there for a second. Um, When Julie told me that I was going to have the blessing of preaching on this and I was going to preach on the key of David, I was like, awesome. I've never heard of the key of David. So it's really easy to teach on stuff you've never heard of. So I started to kind of think through and process what, what could the key of David be about? I was going to do some research, but my first thought was, is this like some Indiana Jones artifact? Like the key of David? Like we are looking for the key of David? I was pretty excited about that, but, but realized pretty quick it's not, a, it's not a physical thing. It's actually something you hear. It's the key of David. Now I want to make sure I get this right. The key of David is a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord, but don't you really care for music, do ya? It goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor falls, the major lifts, the baffled king composing, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. That is not the key of David. Um, So why am I going on and on about stuff that is not the key of David? Because I want to whet your appetite for what the key of David actually is. So, um, the key of David is found in two places in Scripture, which I didn't know until Julie made me do research. Thank you, Julie. Um, The first place that it's found is here in Isaiah. And before we read this, There's one piece of information I want you to know. So there was a steward who was in charge of the palace, so not king. There's a steward, and his name is Shebna. And Shebna is not doing what pleases the Lord, okay? So he's going to be removed and replaced. So that is the context. Shebna is out. And this is what God said to Isaiah. In that day, I will summon my servant Elakim, Elakim, Eliman, son of Hilkiah. I will clothe him with your robe. So he's going to take the robe of Shebna and he's going to give it to Elakim. I should have practiced saying that more. I did it like once and I was like, I thought I got this. All right. In that day, I will summon my servant Elakim, son of Hilkiah, I will clothe him with your robe and fasten your sash around him and hand your authority over to him. He will be a father to those who live in Jerusalem and to the people of Judah. I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. So we're going to leave it there for a second. What can we learn about the key of David, the key to the house of David from this? That key represents or speaks to authority, right? If you have a key that gives you permission to go into said location, right? Think about my daughter Hallie's room. Anyone anyone who had the key to her room could go in. We did not have the key, so we did not have authority to go into the room even though we owned the house. Kind of frustrating. But if you have a key 
that gives you authority, right? So when it talks about the key of David, it is talking about authority. Now that was the first location where key of David is mentioned. Second is in Revelation 3.7. So let's look at that. So this is Jesus speaking. Um, We can't see it on the screen, but if you look at it in your Bible, the words are in red, right? So this is in red. Jesus is speaking. He's giving this revelation to John. This is a letter to the church in Philadelphia. So he says, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, these are the words of him, Jesus, who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. Now, have you heard that before? Sounds exactly like Isaiah. So, Elikim, we like him, whatever that guy's name was, he is foreshadowing Jesus, right? So he is filling this role of, I am now taking on the authority of David, and now Jesus is the full fulfillment of that. Now, when I read this, and it's talking about authority because it talks about the key of David, and then it's talking about opening a door. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. So it makes me think of two questions. One, what is this authority that Jesus has? And two, what door is he opening, or doors is he opening? And so to look at that, I want to look at Matthew 8, 8 to 9 to answer that first question. What authority does he have? When I think about authority and Jesus having authority, I often think of this. So this is found in Matthew, and it's the story of the centurion um, who goes to Jesus because he has a servant who is sick. Let's read what he says. The centurion replied to Jesus, because Jesus had offered, you want me to go and heal your servant? Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word, and my servants will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Jesus was amazed at the centurion's faith, because he understood the authority that Jesus had, that Jesus could just say the word and his servant would be healed. Now think about the power of that, that Jesus has authority to speak and things happen. Think about when he did that in other points in scripture. Jesus is in the storm and he speaks and the storm stops. Jesus speaks and the centurion's servant is healed. God spoke, and light came into the world. So if Jesus has this kind of authority, he has all the authority. He can do whatever he wants. He has the power to do anything and everything. Now I want us to pause and think for a second. It's very easy for us to think through the truth that God has all the power and authority in the world. But I think there's times in our own lives when we do not live out that truth. We know it in our head, 
but our hearts and our spirits doubt or struggle with that. So I want you to pause for a second, and I want you to think about situations in your life where you may struggle to believe that Jesus has authority over it. What is something that is going on in your life where you have fear or where you struggle to trust, where you think, God, I have to step in. I have to do something about this. I have to fix this. And we forget that Jesus is the one that has authority. Jesus is the one who holds the key of David. Jesus has all the authority And if or when he decides to, all he has to do is say the word. And he can take over or change or bring healing to that situation. I hope that brings your heart comfort and peace. I hope you are reminded of the truth that Jesus, the almighty God, has authority over whatever situation you were struggling with right now. So that was the first question. What authority does he have? So the second was, what door or doors is he opening? When we read about that text, what is it saying? So I want to go back to our verse. So this is from O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. O come, thou key of David, come, and open wide our heavenly home. Make safe the way that leads on high and close the path to misery. That second line and open wide our heavenly home. What door is Jesus opening? He is opening the door to our salvation. Praise God for that. He is opening wide the door that we may spend eternity with him. Acts chapter 4 says this, and we can go there on the screen too. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Jesus is the bringer of salvation. Jesus is the one who is opening wide the door for our salvation. This is why he came. This is why he came as a baby, and he came as a baby who gave up all his authority. He had all the authority in the world, in the universe, and he gave it up to come as a little baby because of his love for us, because of his love for you. He came and he said, I am coming to give up my authority that I might open wide the door that you have no ability to open. Just like we could not get into my daughter's room, we cannot open the door of salvation on our own. And praise God for that. Because if we had the power to open that door, it would all be on us. And I don't want that kind of authority because I know how often I mess stuff up. I know how often I handle situations poorly. 
I know how often I want to do X and I do Y instead because I'm tired, because I'm selfish, because I'm scared. I am so thankful that it is on Jesus and Jesus alone that the authority to provide salvation rests on him. I am so thankful that he is the one that provides justification for my sins. And then because of his love for us, he wants to help change us and he sanctifies us to be more like him. So I wanted to end with finishing up the story that I started with. So how did we get into my daughter's room? We don't have a key. Um, We didn't want to pay for a locksmith. Um, I'm really sorry if any of you here are a locksmith. We could have hired you. Um, But we decided not to, and instead, I got a really cool saw. I borrowed it from church. Can we have that next picture? I cut it off. I took this saw, and I just cut it off. It was awesome. And then it was sitting there, that, that, the, the front part in my hand, and I still couldn't get the door open. <laughs> I thought I was going to like just push it out and it would fall apart, but the screws are on the other side. So I had to jam this like screwdriver in there and like figure out how to get it in and twist it, and then it unlocked. But it reminded me, there are many times when we don't have a key to something that we find a workaround. That's what I did with this door. We try to do these workarounds and we try to find ways to get in where we're not supposed to be. There is no workaround for our salvation. The only way is Jesus. And since that's true, I want to encourage all of us to think of someone who you may know who may not be close to Jesus right now. Because Jesus wants them to be with him in heaven for the rest of eternity. And this is a season where I think often people are more receptive to checking out church. I don't know if it's a cultural thing from years past. I don't know if it's just the spirit moving. Christmas time, people are more willing to consider checking out a church. And I'm so thankful for Pathfinder and our willingness to reach out to people who are far from him. We had a student at CORE a couple weeks ago who, upon pulling out the Bible app and looking at it, saw the red letters and asked one of our mentors, why are these letters red? We're reaching people who are far from God or don't have much of a relationship with him at all but are eager to learn. May we be a church that reaches out because of what God has done for us. May we be a church who is so thankful that God opened the door, wide the door of salvation for us, that he uses us to reach others. Pray with me. Lord, we come before you and we thank you so much that you are the key of David, that you hold the authority to grant salvation. And we thank you that by the gift of your son and the sacrifice he gave on the cross, we thank you that you have given that salvation to us. May you use us to draw more and more people 
close to you. May you use us to invite friends and family, neighbors and people that we meet to come and to grow in their relationship with you, whether it's here at Pathfinder or whether it's just building a relationship with one another. Lord, thank you for the incredible gift of your son. Amen.